Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Emergency. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Friday, June 25th is emergency. And in Miami, there is an emergency and it's an absolute malrev. It's a nightmare. I want to talk a little bit about what's happening and why it's attracting the attention of the entire world. Every news station, not just in this country, national news, local news. You know what happened. I don't need to go over it again. The reason why when a building collapses that it gets this much attention is it strikes right at the fear of everyone who's in a building. And most people are in buildings on a daily basis. Not everybody, but most people are. And it just seems that that's something that happens in other countries, in third world countries, underdeveloped nations where the construction is not sufficient where you are concerned when you go up into a fifth floor or sixth floor walk up in certain parts of the world, but not in the US, not in our backyard, can't happen. Then you wake up and you see that always, it feels like in the middle of the night things happen. And the, re- the reminders that I'm having and getting of 9-11 are significant. And I wanted to say what I mean by that. I was in New York during 9-11 And there were pictures of people who were missing, who were in the towers that were posted everywhere saying, have you seen this person? And that's what's happening in Miami. People are doing postings, social media postings. Have you seen that my grandfather, my grandmother, my sister, my cousin, my aunt, my uncle? And the the problem we have is I'm not sure that there's anything we can do because the infrastructure issue we have in the United States is significant because as the country gets older, as projects get older, as budgets are cut, decisions are made that can most certainly have a deleterious impact on us, our daily lives, and could even end our life. So it's something we live with. It's a risk calculus that we have when we go up in an elevator, when we go up in a plane, when we drive in a car, Everything we do is a risk calculus, and it never would occur to us to put into our calculus the possibility of a building simply collapsing. For those of you who go in elevators, do you think about the fact that there are people, there was a video last year of, or two years ago of a man who got sliced by an elevator and, and passed away, or an elevator who, which you know, goes down 30 floors You don't really think much about that because you say to yourself, that would paralyze me if I couldn't do elevators. There are people who are scared of flying who just take buses, right? John Madden's a big example of that. There's many people who are scared of flying who just won't fly, so they don't travel and they're okay living where they live, but they certainly don't think their house is going to collapse. Natural disasters are different because earthquakes come without warning, hurricanes come with warning. 
tsunamis can come with some warning. But even when natural disasters happen, you say that's nature, that's the power of God, that's the power of the environment, the elements. But something about human error here makes this all feel different. And when an emergency happens, it is required of a community to step up and help. That's what, that's what we do. We are a community. We are a country. All of the divide that we feel as a community, that's the word that's said, right? A community divided. It seems that everybody comes together when there's a common tragedy or a common emergency. At least most people do. And sports teams are told and they feel as though as part of a community, as a public-facing private enterprise, that they need to help when there are emergencies in their community. We used to have a person whose job it was, was to help advise me, among other of his jobs, but his job was to advise me on what would be a proportional response to various emergencies and tragedies. Is there anything more callous than having a meeting where you know people have died, where you know that people's lives have completely been turned upside down, where you know that there is a national attention, international attention to something that's happening, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a something like this, a building, a some sort of mass shooting, any sort of emergency. I always felt strange having these meetings, but they were business meetings. And people won't admit that, but I'm admitting it to you. I had someone with whom I met each time, and we would put a value on the tragedy. I'm thinking back on it, and every time something happens, I think back to the exact process that these teams go through and how incredibly robotic it is. And I'm called robotic all the time, lack of emotion, except every team does this. I'm just the only one who talks about it. So what happens is hurricane and a hurricane would hit with hundreds and thousands of people dying, displaced. You sit down and that goes into your calculation of what the help will be. And here's the order of help. There's one level where you help with supplies, where you send water, you send some food, you send some clothes. Another level is when you just not just, excuse me, Coca, do not let that word come out in the show. Please edit that out. There is another level where people, companies give money. And within that subset of help, there's a discussion of how much money. Is that a $5,000 tragedy? Is this a $25,000 emergency? Is this a $100,000 situation? Is this so bad that we call Major League Baseball and the union and get together and do a fund collectively because there's been something in our community that is historic? These are actually the discussions that happen. There's a lot that's read and written about when sports teams help. And I always felt dirty because as I've taught you and was taught to me, 
the best kind of charity is the anonymous kind. It's called tzedakah in Hebrew. It's the best kind of charity. The second best is when you give charity to less fortunate, but you say you did it. I am most often in the second category, like when we gave away what we gave away during COVID, when we gave $1,000 a day away to 100, for 100 days to 100 charities. But there's some times that I do things anonymously. But when I was president of the Marlins, there was nothing anonymous. And the reason why there was nothing anonymous is we needed everyone to know what we were doing. And we're not alone. Your local sports team does the same thing. Your league, your favorite league does the same thing. So there were articles written. And how do those articles get written? They get written when the news agencies get informed by the sports teams what they're doing. That sounds, you're seen behind the curtain. It sounds dirty, doesn't it? Letting the media know. Media alert. There'll be a van of supplies leaving Marlins Park at 10.30 a.m. going to Surfside. Media alert. Tyler Hero is available to give comments because he was working out when this happened and he left the gym and immediately started to help on site by packing water and supplies, et cetera, and helping first responders. Media alert. Posting to your social media account. Here's what we're doing. My question is, is that okay? And my answer is yes. If you help someone who needs help in your community and you don't let other members of the community know that you are leading by example and that you are doing it to show that you are a productive member of your community, should you do it? Of course, the answer is yes. You have to do what's right always, even when no one's watching. That's the old story. If you could take something and steal something from a store because there were no cameras and no one was watching, would you do it? If there was a vat of candy at the It's Sugar store, do you eat candy while you're online because no one cares and no one's weighing it, no one's watching? Or do you do the right thing and pay for it because that's somebody's job and that's what you're supposed to do? To help people in need because people are in need and that's the human condition. That's what makes us human beings where we can have the ability and we don't use it often, but we can have the ability to actually help people in need because we have something they need. In this case, we've got the ability to provide shelter or comfort. There are four people who died in Miami yesterday with the building collapse, but you know what else happened yesterday? There were other deaths that happened in Miami. There were other people who died needlessly, senselessly, drug overdose, murder, cancer. People die every day. How do you choose as a sports team when you are going to bring attention to yourself for the help that you do? Why do you think that all the check presentations are done on the field and all of the partnerships are announced by teams, the philanthropic partnerships? Choices have to be made. I used to hate, and that's a strong word, hate saying no to requests by charities, by people in need. It's the feeling you get when you pass someone on the street holding a sign saying, I have no food. 
please feed me. Whether they're looking for money for drugs or alcohol, it doesn't matter. They say they have no food. You walk by it, you know you dismiss it. 99% of the people, you may give money to a shelter, but you walk past that person. There's people in Miami suffering today, having nothing to do with what happened at Surfside, which is the location of the building that collapsed. And they're being walked past by sports organizations because they've got to make choices. You can't help everyone, so you help someone. And you choose to help someone when the level of emergency rises, it's directly correlated. How famous is this tragedy going to be? How big is this emergency going to be? Does it make us dirty? No, that's just real. There's still about 150 people unaccounted for. My thoughts, I, I can't believe I was about to say that, Coca. My thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers aren't enough. You know, we have jobs to do, all of us. I was thinking about it. When I have, I was telling Coco before the show, when I don't feel great or I'm tired or I was up all night or I'm training for something or distracted by something else or doing some sort of salacious or prurient activity, which makes me not as sharp as I could necessarily be on a random morning, no one's going to die. No one's at risk. I'm risking boring you or having you desubscribe or unsubscribe or defollow or unfollow. When you're a surgeon or you are an engineer or you are somebody who works hammering in steel or nails or making rebar, holy crap, you've got a big job. Construction workers, they may not get the attention they deserve, but when you're building skyscrapers or buildings or 10 floor buildings or apartment buildings, you better have pride in what you're doing because you've got people's lives in your hand. Now I've just got your ears in my hand, maybe your eyes if you're on YouTube. So next time you pass construction workers, just thank them. Hey, thank you for caring about what you do. When Marlins Park was being built, I remember having that feeling a lot. I am responsible because if these thousands of workers are not taking this seriously, or they're distracted by something going on at home and they don't exactly do the roof the way it's supposed to be done, even though we can then get an inspection. But what if the inspector is having a bad day and doesn't focus on the fact that there's cracks? And by the way, there's a pedestrian bridge somewhere else, Coca, that collapsed yesterday somewhere in the country. And then all of a sudden, of course, the president forwarded and proffered an infrastructure bill that passed Infrastructure matters. Infrastructure when you're building a community, infrastructure when you're building a team. Infrastructure is a word that sometimes is the difference between life and death. It's not that I need to think or pray for the people at Surfside who are unaccounted for. My thoughts and prayers aren't going to do anything. I'm not president of the Marlins anymore. I can't send a van with water and clothes. What I can do is use a platform like this, and you can use the platform you have. Even when you're just walking down the street, remember, you've got the platform. Every time you open your mouth, that's a platform. Every time you do an action, that's a platform use. Just thank people for doing the job they do and caring about the job they do and doing the job as well as they can. There's no segue to this because does it really matter when people are making $29 million over four years when... There's death, but if I took it that way, I'd never do a show. There'd never be any entertainment. Entertainment is supposed to be a distraction. I get it. 
I'm here to distract you from the misery and tragedy that takes place on an everyday basis all over the country and the world. I guess that's why entertainment started as an escape. I like to give you 45 minutes of something to listen to so you can escape whatever is happening in your day. And I don't take it for granted and I'm super appreciative of it. And Coca has been teaching me over the 397 regular episodes of Nothing Personal. Obviously, the feed has more because we have sit downs and mailbags, et cetera. But over the 397 episodes, we're hitting 400 next week. When we hit 500, wait to see, will we hit 500, Coca? The 500th episode is going to be a sit down with Coca. Get ready for that. I don't know when that'll be. I don't know if we'll do that. Maybe we'll get to 500, Coco. What do you think? That's not a small number. Have I ever told the story of how this show started? I think I have. How bad I was during rehearsals and how CBS and Coco almost canceled before we started. Coco wondering whether or not we'd have a chance to build a successful show, wanting to attach his name to an absolute dumpster fire. Ha ha, Coca, 397. But one of the things that Coca teaches me is transitions. Transitions are hard when you were doing 45 minutes just by yourself, no callers, no guests, doing all sorts of different subjects. Transitioning from something as horrific as human tragedy and death and destruction into Rick Carlisle being the coach of the Pacers. How in the hell am I supposed to do that? What? Oh, I just did. You're right, Coca. That's it. All right. Rick Carlisle signed a four-year deal with the Indiana Pacers. Do you care? Here's why I care. Do you know that he had that deal in place when he resigned from the Mavericks? Hell yeah. The Pacers didn't do a coaching search. They called up Ricky Boy and said, hey, Rick, you've had enough right there, right? You're done with Luca. You ready? We'll give you 29 large, four years. Come home again. Get back out of Texas. Come back to where you started your coaching career in Indianapolis. I'm Herb Simon, the owner of the team, and you love me. I'm not like Cuban. I'm not going to be in the clubhouse. I'm not going to be in my shorts and T-shirt practicing. You don't have to work me into the five-on-five drills. Run the team. Well, we had a wait to see on June 18th of 2021, one week ago. When Carlisle left the Mavericks, we said Carlisle will be coaching in the NBA. And guess what? He is. That way to see was a yes, because we always revisit our way to sees. So there are coaching searches going on in the NBA, and they always make me laugh. Coke and I had a great laugh before the show started at what a joke. The Selig rule, the Rooney rule, interviewing all these people. People don't even pretend anymore. The Pacers went after Carlisle. Carlisle left the Mavericks. The Mavericks are now hiring Jason Kidd. I think that's an interesting hire. What's the statute of limitations for bad behavior? Jason Kidd, you may not remember, several years ago. I don't remember when this was actually, Coca. Could have been more years ago than that. He was arrested for domestic violence. I've told you I always believe in giving second chances. But when you're an organization like the Mavericks, where you have dealt with front office issues, harassment issues, when you've had to hire someone in diversity, equity, and inclusion, when you've had to go public saying you didn't realize what was going on in your own organization, which was an absolute poppycock. I think it's interesting that they're hiring Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd's the current assistant for the Lakers Hall of Famer. Jason Kidd is rumored to be finalizing a deal with the Mavericks. 
The Mavericks need to hire a general manager. They're looking into that. They need to hire a coach. They want to hire the general manager before the coach, but they've got the coach hired before they've got the general manager hired. And they've got the head coach knowing that the head coach is really the one in charge. So the GM takes that job saying, ah, I guess I'm the new Donnie Nelson, but thank God there's Vulgare there. So we're not going to have a problem, right? What does Luca think about all this? I just think it's a sham. Just acknowledge, hey, we want Jason Kidd because he's got a good relationship with Luca, or he doesn't have a good relationship with Luca, or he's got a good relationship with me, Mark Cuban. But don't pretend you're interviewing and going through a process. The Trailblazers are going through a process right now. They're down to Becky Hammond and Chauncey Billups. We talked about that. I was going to do a wait to see that the Mavericks are not going to hire Jason Kidd. But knowing Mark Cuban the way we do now, Rick Carlisle walking out the door said, hey, hire Jason Kidd. And now the Mavericks are going to hire Jason Kidd. If I ever had a manager who we fired saying, I think this guy should be the next manager on principle alone, I wouldn't hire that guy as the next manager because I wouldn't want anyone to think that we were making choices based on what someone who's out the door was saying. So Rick Carlisle leaves and says, Jason Kidd would be great. And then the Mavericks hire him. God, I think that's so demasculating, emasculating for Mark Cuban. But wait to see. It's my official wait to see. Jason Kidd's the new coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Wait to see. Coke and I had another argument before the show started about Kevin Durant. Is Kevin Durant better than LeBron James at Kevin Durant's height? Is he better than LeBron James at his height? That's a clear no. Is he better than LeBron James now? To me, that is a clear yes. Now let's talk about Kevin Durant versus Scottie Pippen. Is Kevin Durant better than Scottie Pippen? Scottie Pippen was named one of the top 50 players in the history of the NBA. I don't know if you remember that, Coco. You may not have been alive when that happened. They did a top 50. I assume the top 50 would be slightly different now, but maybe not. Is Kevin Durant one of the top 50 players in the history of the NBA? He's got two titles, two MVPs. He can drop 48, 49 like it's nothing, but so can everybody. It's totally different NBA now. Chuck and duck, no plays called. Isolation one-on-one. Kevin Durant is Coca's favorite player because Kevin Durant gets into it with people on Twitter. Kevin Durant does stuff on Twitter that Coca doesn't let me do. He doesn't let me respond when some people say things that are so outrageous to me. He's like, if you want to correct the spelling of your name, David, go ahead. But don't get into it with these people who are calling you a various names and sullying you. Come on. I want to get into it. I want to say, hey, at least meet me first before you make that decision. Kevin Durant and Scottie Pippen are at war right now. That's the wrong use. Don't use the word war. They're not at war. They're having a social media skerfuffle. I am 99% sure the word is not skerfuffle, but I feel like that's in my head. A skerfuffle is when you've got like on the field where there's pushing and shoving and uniform grabbing, or there's a war of words. There's the war again. When there's a elevated discussion of words that often include swearing, a kerfuffle. Yes. Thank you, Coca. Can you put the definition, just say it, and I'll say it if the definition of kerfuffle, the actual dictionary definition, if you say it into my ear, I can say it right here to the listeners. 
and we can define what a kerfuffle actually is. Keep talking. It's a commotion or fuss, especially one caused by conflicting views. A kerfuffle. Here's the kerfuffle that Scottie Pippen and Kevin Durant are in. Scottie Pippen said, I don't view Kevin Durant as anything close to LeBron. Kevin Durant is too selfish a player. Kevin Durant is able to score his 48, 49 points, but he's sitting at home. LeBron James would not have let his team lose that game seven. And then Durant in a refuffle, continuing the kerfuffle, shoots back at Scottie Pippen, of course, via Twitter. This is this game, the same Kevin Durant, 68, 70, 69. This is the same Kevin Durant who got into a Twitter spat with several other people recently. I want to say one could have been Michael Rappaport, but I could be wrong. Wouldn't shock me. It's a Friday when something was happening with the Nets. Either way, he says to Scottie Pippen, you think I'm selfish and not a team player? How about you? 27 years ago. In 1994, you refused to go into a game at the end of a playoff game in 1994 because you didn't get the last shot drawn up to you by Phil Jackson. He wanted Tony Kukoc to take the shot. Give me a break. That's the best you have, KD, that you want to bring up that Kevin, that that Scottie Pippen's not a team player when Scottie Pippen was the perfect, perfect assistant, the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman. Scottie Pippen, the great defender, long arms, great player for the Bulls, helped them win six titles, six titles. Couldn't win it without Jordan. Doesn't make him not one of the best in NBA history. But you're going to compare yourself to Scottie Pippen? And all of you out there are saying Durant is way better than Pippen. Not in my book. Not in my book at all. So when players from previous eras like Pippen get into it with players of current eras like Durant, the NBA and the front office of the Nets, they're less than happy. And I want to explain why for a few minutes, if you don't mind. This came up in baseball often, and it's why baseball teams like the Marlins had Andre Dawson and Tony Perez around, Hall of Famers from previous eras You want players from the current era to meet these players, to be around these players. You have special instructors at spring training. You want them, even if they've never heard of the players, because the majority of the Marlins have never heard of Andre Dawson or Tony Perez. But you want them to be around greatness. You want players to be around and listen to how things used to be, how preparation used to happen, how mental strength in baseball is so necessary. You want some level of osmosis to pass from older players to younger players. Not all older players can do that because many of them are jealous about the money that's made by younger players. Many of them are jealous about the attention about the ease in which these players can make it and get rich. And there's a level of just sort of anger and jealousy. But some of the players, and Andre and Tony were two of them for sure. Conine's another one. There's many former NBA and MLB players who can do it. You'll see there in front offices. The reason why you don't want there to be a back and forth like that is what you're doing is showing the fan and the sponsor 
You're showing the people surrounding your organization that you have a level of insecurity that does not befit a superstar or someone who is able to win in current day sports. Specifically, I'm referring to when a current player feels the need to sully a past player the way Durant sullied Pippen. It makes Durant look worse than it makes Pippen. And we would tell our current players, don't get into it with older players because it's going to make you look bad, not them. It's going to make you look petulant, not them. And that's to me how Durant comes off. When he's getting into these Twitter spats, he looks as though not that he's trying to defend his character, defend his manhood. He looks as though he's trying to make the accomplishments of previous players look smaller than they were in order to, by perspective and by reference, make his accomplishments look greater than they are. And that is not necessary. I'm sorry, Coca. I know you're annoyed. It's just not necessary. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that was suggested by one of you with Michael Fassbender. And then we're going to talk about what MLB did yesterday because they stepped in it. They totally stepped in it again. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Today is Friday. I could sing the Cure song again, Coca. I think I did that last Friday. I love that song. I play it every Friday. Is that weird that I have a playlist? I have a Friday playlist where I just play The Cure and then my Monday playlist is The Bengals. Strange, right? Eh, Not to me, unless I don't know what day it is and I play it on the wrong day, which has actually happened. So I watch a movie every day on Nothing Personal. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet of commercials. Quiet, Coca. I can't think when when you're saying that. I will get to it, I promise. When you... I lost it. You did it. There it is. What are we doing, Coca? Hello? 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 Oh, yes. The review. Thank you. I'm thanking you for making it through the gauntlet of 
of commercials and ads and staying with us and reviewing and rating. Tell your friends about nothing personal. Just spread the word. Like I'd like you to put, I, I was going to put in every office where you work as you get back to the office or every time you meet someone, that piece of paper that you staple onto a post and it has little things that you can rip off. Like when you need a dog walker or a babysitter or a cleaner or a car or something you rip off and it's got a phone number on it. Do one of those, post one of those and have nothing personal NPDS and just have people rip it off. So they're reminded to follow, rate, subscribe. And what I love about this audience, this ever burgeoning growing audience is you give me movies to watch and I keep a list on my telephone right here. And the list said, how about hunger? And I'm not a big eater. I don't really like food. I can't taste or smell anyway, but I don't eat. I don't like eating. I'm not one of those foodie guys. I use food as, as fuel and that's it. And uh, I didn't know what hunger was, except it was told to me, watch it. So I did. And then I realized what I was watching. Hunger is a movie starring Michael Fassbender, who plays a real person named Bobby Sands, who is a real prisoner. And this is on the heels of the movie I reviewed in Northern Ireland with the ex-wife of Stephen Ray. I can't believe I forgot the name of the movie. I promised myself I wouldn't. God damn it, Coca. It's not in the name of the father with Daniel Day-Lewis. We know that. But I reviewed another movie that was a documentary with this woman. I want to say it was Dolores. But now I'm thinking Dolores Claiborne with Kathy Bates. So it's not called that. doesn't matter. In any case, I was told to, and Coke is never going to find it. He's looking through the list of movies I reviewed and he won't remember it because he's got to look and he's trying to pay attention to the story we're doing. And it's Friday, so he's not even listening anyway. So Hunger is a movie that is incredibly, I, Dolores, thank you. That was another movie suggested by you. Thank you, Coca. Thank you. You've totally rehabilitated yourself after a tough start to the show today. So Hunger is a movie where Michael Fassbender went from 170 pounds to 132 pounds about a real person named Bobby Sands who went on a 66-day hunger strike in prison. Remember the story of the, of the Irish Republican Army? They, would, they were imprisoned. They were treated horribly. This was the first movie directed by Steve McQueen who directed 12 Years a Slave. That's Steve McQueen. If you like movies and you appreciate movie making and how talented movie makers are from in front of the camera to behind the camera, and if you're willing to be uncomfortable about how people are mistreated and you're willing to learn and understand what happened in Northern Ireland back in the 80s, you've got to watch Hunger. And the way it was filmed I would guess if I saw the script to Hunger that there is 40 pages of dialogue in the hour and 45 minute movie. It contains one of the great one take scenes I've ever seen in my life. There's about a 20 minute scene between Bobby Sands, played by Michael Fassbender, and his priest who visits him in prison, who tries to convince him not to do a hunger strike. It's a one take with a camera that is stable on them as they face each other talking. So it's not, you know how in movies they cut back and forth, they show one face talking and then they show the back of the head of the person who was talking and they show the other person talking and you know that there's cuts going on back and forth and there's two cameras. This was a one camera shot of a 20 minute scene that will blow your socks off 
It's called Hunger. I really appreciate you had me watch it. It's an uncomfortable watch, but it's a very important watch. Segway to MLB to something much less important. It's not life or death, but MLB unveiled all-star uniforms. This would not be news other for the fact, other than the fact that they're actually doing all-star uniforms this year. Here's how it worked back in 2017 when we hosted. There were batting practice jerseys that the players would wear, home run derby jerseys, National League, American League, one of my great pieces of memorabilia is a signed jersey by every National League All-Star. That was cool. And for the game, if you are a Marlin, you would wear your Marlins jersey and we would attach a All-Star patch to your jersey and you would get a special hat that had the All-Star patch on the hat with the Marlins logo in front and you go play in the game. And that's how the fans would know when they're introduced on the line. Hey, that's a Marlin. Hey, that's a red. Hey, that's a Padre. Hey, that's a Dodger. And then the players would get to keep that jersey and they'd frame it. And that's sort of cool. This year, MLB decided because of their new partnership with Nike that they were going to do full all-star uniforms, not team uniforms with an all-star patch, but completely separate uniforms that were released and put the UG in Lee. Here's why it happened. A couple of years ago, Under Armour did a deal with MLB to be the on-field clothing sponsor. Uniforms would have Under Armour logo. Under Armour was unable to fulfill that deal because they were bleeding money because of all the money they had given to players and all the shoe collections that didn't sell. Under Armour was in absolute crisis mode. They went to MLB and said, hey, we cannot fulfill our deal that we just cut. We had a big announcement. We were super excited about it. But guess what? We can't. So MLB went crawling back to Nike and said, hey, do you want the on-field uniform deal again? Do you mind? And Nike said, sure, but here's the deal. We're putting the Nike swoosh on every uniform. That's number one. Number two, we want as many new alternate uniforms as possible. And number three, when it comes to the All-Star game, we want to release another set of uniforms because we want people to buy those uniforms. We've got to make up some of the money that we think we are going to give you as because we have bailed you out of your on-field uniform situation. And don't get me wrong, the revenue officer for baseball, who's a great guy named Noah Garden, who I've known for 20 years, he was between a rock and a hard place. Sometimes you got to give to get. It's why I told you there's a way to see that there's going to be helmet advertisements as soon as 2022, and I still believe it. The job of MLB is to raise revenue. And if you've got to give stuff away that you've never given away because you are getting more money or getting the money that you budgeted to get, even when times are tough, you are going to make accommodations. These all-star uniforms are just accommodations. You don't have to question why it's happening because you know why it's happening. Listen, there's going to be sponsors all over the field. I would assume that umpires will be sponsored. Coca's writing down in the document live right now. When I look to the left, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a live document that we have. And 
it just goes to the topics that we're talking about because I don't use a prompter and at all. I make up everything as I'm happening, but we have a a document and Coca types stuff in the document from time to time, like five minutes left or stop or move on or you suck or I'm bored or, hey, I'm taking a phone call or we have to start over. Hey, there's breaking news. He just wrote down umpires are getting sponsor logos now from a crypto company. Thank you, Coca. Also, remember, New Era had those local market hats ridiculed into oblivion last month. Thank you, Coca. Do you remember that? The, the New Era hats that came out that had the initials of the city and had pictures of like pizza or cheesesteak or the beach or palm trees, and they disappeared faster than the European Super League? Well, these MLB uniforms aren't going to disappear for the All-Star game because that is a road too far that Nike has done. And if you don't like them, they're only for a day. It's not a big deal. But I'll bet you dollars to donuts that more of you are going to buy them than you're saying because that's what Nike does. And they're better at what they do than MLB. I promise you that. Did you watch the game last night? I did. Great game. I, I'm going to have to change my mind about Paul George, aren't I, Coca? I'm going to have to say that Paul George has the ability to carry a team. I think I'm really going to have to. Okay. So the Clippers won. We had them plus one. They were winning the game. That was an easy pick. We're back to 85 and 63, but it's Friday. So I got to give you a bunch of picks and I want to. I'm going to pick against Matt Harvey until he gets released. That's just the bottom line. Okay. Are we good with that? And I'm going to pick DeGrom until he gives up runs. So every five days, as long as Matt Harvey gets the ball from the Orioles, we're going against him. So we're taking the Jays tonight over the Orioles. I just totally moved the camera, Coke. Did you see that? I just hit it. I'm going to try to move it back. Did I move it back? Okay. <laughs> I've got a setup here that I did alone because no one from CBS is coming to help me. And Coca, God forbid, he would ever leave his apartment to try to help me. So he walks me through it on FaceTime, basically, as I put all this together. I wish you could see what I'm dealing with. I've got cords everywhere and I've got lights that aren't even on. This is natural light that's on me because I can't get the lights to work properly. The camera's on and it's centered in a certain way. We helped hang pictures behind me in this space where I do the show from time to time. Anyway, what a cluster. Jays over the Orioles is the Friday pick, but I'm going to watch the Bucs game because I'm a major Bucs guy. The Bucs are down one nothing. Bucs are going to win this game by double digits. I expected the line to be at least 10. The Bucs are only giving seven and a half. The Atlanta Hawks will not go up two to zero against the Bucs winning two in a row in, my, in Milwaukee. If you can take a money line and have the Bucs not give any points, don't bother. But if you're worried that they're only going to win by five, take the money line, but I'm willing to give the seven and a half. Bucs, Seven and a half over Hawks. I wonder if Giannis, you know, if they don't cover because Giannis gets called for a 10 second violation, I am going to be pissed. I will. That's not a nice word. It doesn't sound, it sounds so declassé, right? I will be very disappointed if Giannis gets called for a 10 second violation because the NBA is all over this. This is what the NBA is choosing to focus on with all the issues going on. They want to get Giannis to shoot his free throws within 10 seconds. Do you know why that rule happened? That rule happened because they want the game to have pace, but they wanted players when they get the ball at the free throw line, when there's no action, the clock's not moving. They want the players to not have a whole routine. Back in the old days, players had these routines. They would spin the ball 
They would blow kisses to their fans or to their family members. They would Jeff Hornacek would wipe his brow as a way to signal. Jason Kidd would blow a kiss to his wife, who he then wasn't his wife anymore. Giannis has a whole routine because that's what he does. And the New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, did a countdown on their scoreboard. I would have fired that person. That is not even good sportsmanship. That's just not even, that's not right. Counting how many seconds. The NBA came out with a story saying, Giannis was in violation twice during game one. We are going to make sure it doesn't happen during game two. If the Bucks don't cover because of that, it's an outrage. Here's my solution, NBA. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Saturday, DeGrom over the Phillies. Just ride them. I've never seen a season like this. There's never been a season like this. Jacob DeGrom is having a season, not historic. It's the greatest season in the history of any pitcher ever. Take DeGrom over the Phillies because the Phillies are just horrific. Horrific. I'm sorry, but they are. Case Sunday. I want to talk about Max Scherzer a little bit and what I know of Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's taking the mound on Sunday against the Marlins. Max Scherzer last start, do you remember what happened? There was all this attention about foreign substances. Max Scherzer had a petulant temper tantrum. Max Scherzer, who was on the executive council, repped by Scott Boras, was trying to make an example of how unhappy he was with the rules. I absolutely understand why he did it. I absolutely understand how ineffective it was. I don't think MLB is going to do anything to change because it's not about substances. You know very well, it is about collective bargaining. So the bet of the weekend, this is my five-star number one. Here's what Max Scherzer, do you know what his nickname is? Coca? I don't. Why is it in my head that his nickname is the Bulldog? Mad Max. I thought it was the Bulldog. So here's what Max Scherzer has that most pitchers don't. And I've actually spoken to him about this because we faced him so many times and could never beat him. He's got a will to win and to be good and a drive to be the best in a way that makes other people look absolutely pedestrian. Max Scherzer is a free agent to be. The Nationals are winning games now. Max Scherzer was in danger of being traded, although he could not be traded if he didn't want to. And the Nationals now have the Mets in their sight. The Nationals are playing the Marlins. The Marlins are about 11 games under. The Marlins don't have a good offense. They've got very good pitching, but not a good offense. But Max Scherzer is going to have an incredible start. Because when you piss off Max Scherzer, you don't want to be his next opponent. When Max Scherzer puts his mind to it, which is every single start, if you don't have a good enough offense, you're going to get rocked. So I've got Max Scherzer over the Marlins on Sunday. Let me just review so you write it down. Jays over Orioles on Friday. Are we good? Bucks over Hawks on Friday. Seven and a half point favorites. Bucks are going to win that game. We've got DeGrom over the Phillies on Saturday and Scherzer over the Marlins on Sunday. It's been a very interesting week. We've covered a lot of topics off the field, on the field. 
there's been behavior that makes us realize that there is uh, more going on than what meets the eye. And the week ended with tragedy, emergency, and death. But sports goes on, the game goes on, life goes on. And I wish for you all nothing but a safe weekend and a smart weekend. And always keep in the back of your mind, always, it's just business. This is nothing personal.